Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Minter, Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and joining me today is Michael Langemeyer, Professor of Ag Economics here at Purdue. We're going to review the results from the August Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of Farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from August 17th through August 21st. And Michael, it was a bit of a surprise. The barometer really rebounded. It moved up to a reading of 144. That's 26 points higher than it was a month earlier when it just read 118. And of course, back in April, uh, we were at 96. So big change in the barometer, especially this month, but really over several months now. Yeah, I'm not surprised that it increased, but I was a little surprised it increased as much as it much as it really did. Uh, there were definitely were some positive signals, including trade, uh, to suggest that it was going to increase. Yeah, if you look at it under the hood, so to speak, uh, the index of future expectations was the one that rose the most. The index of current conditions rose as well, but the biggest increase was in that future expectations index. And I think, as you kind of pointed out, maybe that was tied to people becoming more optimistic about trade. Yes, and probably some strength in prices, uh, both short-term and in intermediate-term, probably helped also. Yeah, if you look at prices uh, really across the board on the ag commodities starting about the last few days of July, 1st of August, they really rallied that whole month of August up to the point where we were doing the survey. So I think you're right, that combination. Uh, and of course, the trade with China was feeding into that with news of a more positive export uh, movement to China. Um, that was feeding into that price rise, and that was, I think, feeding into the optimism and made people feel a little better about it. I think the other factor that came in is, at least as of when we were doing the survey, there was an expectation of some pretty good yields. Uh, of course, USDA's crop report came out in mid-August and suggested we were looking at a record high yields uh, on the corn and soybean front. And, you know, I think that probably fed into the optimism as well. Of course, we had this, the wind storm that came through the upper corn belt after that report came out and, and before our survey. Um, that didn't seem to push people back too much, though, in, in terms of their expectations. Yeah, I think the, the, definitely the, the yield prospects are a little bit lower, but that was related to the increase in prices. And so I think that increase in prices really was driving some of the sediment, which, of course, is related to trade. Yeah. So the Farm Capital Investment Index rose a, a little more modest uh, rise in the Farm Capital Investment Index. It was up to a reading of 65. That's up from 60 a month earlier. But it does leave it much, much stronger than it was back in April. That index bottomed out at a reading at 38 in April. So quite a bit more positive than what we were looking at this spring and a modest rise uh, from, from, from July into August. As you look at it, though, Michael, I think one thing that maybe stands out uh, in that index to me is the fact that although we're quite a bit stronger than we were, we're still below where we were back in February. And, and uh, although this farm capital investment index is maybe getting closer to that record high we put in back in February um, than what we're seeing on the barometer overall, which is kind of Yeah, really, it's, it's really, really surprisingly strong, um, you know, given, given, given where prices currently are, particularly corn, uh, you know, corn price is still down quite a bit from what it was in February, yet this farm capital investment index is not that much lower. Uh, than where we were in January and February and December of last year. 
So the follow-up question we started asking earlier this spring was, uh, we started asking farmers directly what their plans for farm machinery purchases in the upcoming year are compared to a year earlier. And this question is kind of interesting. I think it maybe is a little more direct measure with respect to farm machinery. And, um, you know, the way I've been looking at it is tracking the percentage of people that anticipate reducing their farm machinery purchases this year versus last year. Uh, back in April and May, that was well up in the 60s. I think in April, it was a reading at 63% said they were going to reduce their purchases. 65% said that in May. Um, this month, 48%. So a pretty big change. Uh, with the bulk of that change really going in terms of people saying, I'm going to reduce to maybe keeping it about the same. Not, not, a, not as big a change of people saying that they're going to increase their purchases, but uh, people backing away and saying, no, I'm going to maybe do things a little more normal than, than what I was telling you back in April and May. Yeah, this is certainly very consistent with the, uh, uh, the Farm Capital Investment Index. And, and as you said, there's not a large percentage that think they're going to increase uh, farm machinery purchases, but it's certainly good news for implement dealers that there's uh, a, a substantially fewer that they, they're going to decrease uh, purchases in the August survey compared to that April-May time period. Yeah, just to make that a little more concrete, the percentage that say they're going to increase their purchases back in May, was, which was the low point, was 4%. On the August survey, it was 9%. So the big move was people changing from saying, I'm going to reduce purchases to saying, I'm going to hold them about where my kind of my long-term capital investment plans are. So uh, we saw more optimism with respect to farmland values. Uh, if you look at farmland price expectations uh, five years ahead, 59% uh, of the people in the survey said they expect to see farmland values rise over the next five years. Uh, that puts it in a tie with the all-time high for that uh, question, Michael. That, yeah, certainly. This this is very consistent with the increase in the index of future expectations. And and as you indicated, this is tied with the all-time high. Uh, this index has been running for a long period of time between between 50 and 60. But 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 as, as you know, uh, earlier this year in March, April, and May, we were quite a bit below 50. Uh, and so that 59 reading uh, really needs to be compared to where we were uh, in March, April, and May, where we were 40 to 45 uh, in terms of the uh, the percentage of people that th think farmland prices are going to increase five years from now. So much more optimism long term. And, you know, we just uh, had the results from the Purdue uh, Farmland Value Survey released here a few weeks ago, and, and we discussed those with uh, one of the, one of the uh, authors of that, Mike, um, Todd Keithy. And it seems that we're picking up maybe a little more optimism here than what he was picking up back in June. Do you kind of agree with that? Yes, I think that's definitely the case. But I think uh, I think there is more optimism. If you look at, that was mainly a June survey, if my understanding is correct. And I think there is more optimism uh, in mid-August than there was in June. And so I think it's consistent. Uh, it's, it's consistent with where, where uh, people, uh, in terms of what people are thinking about farmland uh, in five years from now. So I think some of our listeners might be a little surprised at how positive people are about farmland values. Let's maybe discuss that a little bit. I think one of the big factors has to be uh, not only what's going on in agriculture, but really what's going on in the investment world with respect to interest rates, don't you? That's definitely driving the, driving the uh, uh, stability or, or increasing uh, farmland prices. The fact that interest rates look like they're going to stay low for the foreseeable future uh, there's also, uh, also I, I think uh, the 
Uh, land uh, fits in really well to a, a diversified por portfolio for institutional investors in terms of uh, farmland's relationship to stock returns. Uh, essentially, they're not that closely related. Uh, that's a very positive thing uh, for farmland from an institutional investor standpoint. And so there's at least two or three things going for farmland uh, that, that outweigh, I think, uh, the low net returns that we're seeing in agriculture right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we can overestimate the impact these low interest rates are having on farmland values. That's been extraordinarily positive in terms yeah, of- Yeah, that's, that's having an impact on all asset prices, including the stock market. So why would farmland be any different than that? So one of the questions we've been asking every summer, so this is kind of an annual question, is do you think farmers' equity position or wealth will improve, diminish, or stay about the same over the next 12 months? And we started asking that question in the first summer that we were conducting the barometer survey, so the summer of 16, and we asked it again in 17, 18, 19, and now 20. And it's kind of interesting, again, there's a little more optimism in there than maybe I was expecting before we did the survey. 38% said that they expect to see farmers' equity position or wealth decline over the next 12 months. And on the surface, that sounds kind of negative. But if you look at it relative to the responses we got in the prior years, that's one of the most positive responses we've gotten in the years we've been doing the survey. Now, admittedly, we weren't doing this survey back when things were really good in agriculture, so we don't have that uh, anything to compare it with respect to, you know, that 2007 to roughly 2013 time frame. But since 2016, there's only been one time when the response was more positive, and that was in the summer of 17. So were you surprised by that, Michael, that 38%? I was a little bit surprised at this. The, the drop from August 19 to August 20 was 48 to 38%. I uh, thought their wealth was going to decline. But then you start thinking about this. Yes, we have low net returns, which would uh, tend to make equity decline. But I think those low net returns may be offset uh, this year and perhaps going into next year with, with a stable or slightly increasing land values. And so I think that, I think that, uh, uh, that those land value expectations are incorporated into uh, this, particular, this particular thought that my, my equity is going to be more stable uh, than it was a year ago or even two years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think maybe one that you might not think about, at least initially, but people are maybe thinking about this as they should with respect to what it, the impact's going to be on their balance sheet. The other factor, I think, relative to August of 19 is crop conditions, at least in most of the Corn Belt and really much of the U.S., look better, uh, significantly better in the summer of 20 than they did in the summer of 19. So I think that's probably feeding in there as well. Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely a factor, too. So one of the questions we ask and have been asking now for uh, pretty routinely uh, is, what do you think is going to happen to ag exports over the next five years? Do you think they're more likely to increase, decrease, or remain about the same? And it's interesting to track this over time. If you go back to the tail end of 19, the beginning of uh, 2020, people were pretty optimistic. In fact, we consistently had over 70% of the respondents in late 19 and early 2020 telling us they expected to see ag exports increase. As we headed into the winter of 20 and, and into early spring of 20, people became progressively less optimistic. But boy, this month in August, we saw a rebound in that optimism, didn't we? Yeah, and this is definitely tied to the increase in the ag economy barometer itself. I mean, we saw an increase from July of, of 12 percentage points. That's really large 
Uh, you'd have to go back to late 19, uh, going from October to November of 19 to see that large of increase uh, from one month to the next. And we're still not where we were uh, in, in, in January and February, where we were at, we were at 70 and 72% respectively. Uh, but uh, the, current, uh, the current reading at 67% uh, think that agriculture, agriculture exports are going to increase in the next five years. That's certainly much more positive than we've been uh, for, for the last several months. Yeah, so for our listeners to get a little more perspective, we started asking this question at the beginning of 2019, so we don't have a real long history on this one. But, um, yeah, there's been very few times when we've seen it up above this month's reading. So that 12-point jump, a month ago it was just 55% expected to see ex- exports increase over the next five years. This month, two-thirds, 67%. So a big move, and I think you're right. I think the optimism about exports was feeding into the barometer itself and that index of future expectations. So I think that was pretty important. Um, we've been asking for some time now, we've been asking several different questions because 2020 is such an unusual year uh, to learn more about people's behavior and, and the changes they're making. So, you know, one of the things that's taken place this summer and continuing into the fall and winter is a lot of the normal field days and conferences that farmers would attend uh, in person are being transitioned to a virtual format. So watching them on the web in some, some kind of a format. So we asked a couple of questions about that. Um, just 19% of the producers in our survey said they attended a virtual field day or a conference this summer. But when we asked them to look ahead to the fall and winter, almost half, not quite, but almost half, 44% said they plan to attend a virtual event uh, either this fall or this winter. That was kind of interesting. Uh, I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, I, I didn't think it'd be quite that high. I thought it'd be closer maybe to a third or, or more similar to what, what it was in the summer. We did expect a pickup, of course. I mean, I, I, you, you know, people in the summer don't, don't necessarily uh, tend to, tend to uh, attend, uh, you know, conference, certainly uh, virtual conferences as much as they were would in the fall and winter. So we expected to increase going into the fall and winter, but, but not as high as 44%. I think it speaks to something we picked up in last month's survey, and that is people are looking at obtaining information from a wide variety of sources, and this is going to be one of them. Uh, so for our, you know, I guess people like us in the education business, uh, but I think also people in the agribusiness space, uh, this is going to be an important venue to communicate with farmers. They're going to be looking for some more in-depth information. Um, you know, we picked up on a, on a previous survey, and again, this month, people said that they're going to look pretty hard at farm magazines as a, as a primary source of information. But it looks like virtual field days and conferences are something people are going to try and maybe see how it plays out. Uh, we didn't get a lot of take on that this summer, but that was pretty early. And I think the other factor there, of course, is during the summer, so many people are busy uh, doing actual field work kind of things and, and working outside. It make, makes it difficult to attend some of these things on a computer. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out this fall, but there's definitely interest when 44% say they plan to do that. So, so Michael, that wraps up our discussion today. Uh, For more details about the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, go to our website, purdue.edu slash agbarometer. You can join us for our next Crop Outlook webinar following release of USDA's September Crop Production and WASDE reports on Friday, September 11th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can register for the webinar at purdue.edu slash commercial ag. And I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. So on behalf of Michael Langemeyer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Mintert. Thanks for listening.